Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Claire Monday, the founder of Tappy Toes. Tappy Toes is a dance and movement syllabus for the under fives, with classes available for children aged six months to five years. As well as these classes being delivered face-to-face and of course online nowadays, they also offer birthday parties, wedding entertainment and classes within nursery settings. The business was started in 2002 by Claire and they started franchising in 2013. So going into this conversation, I hadn't actually spoken to Claire directly myself. I'd seen her around the franchise and industry and um, seeing the brand around and about a little bit as well. But um, I know that they've recently opened a a good number of new franchises, uh, especially since COVID began. So I'm quite interested to find out what's enabled her to have that success and what the business looked like um, from from those early days building up to where it is today. So turns out she's absolutely lovely and a really pleasant person to speak with. So hopefully you'll enjoy it too and I'll catch you on the other side. Excellent. So welcome to the Disenfranchised, Claire. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. I've, I've seen you around the franchising industry here and there and, and I've heard of the Tappy yeah. Toes brand. So um, yeah, excited to chat with you. Um, so to get things kicked off then, um, like I always do, I just wanted to find out um, from you, what was your first job after education? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I'm a dancer through and through. I've danced all my life. And so I went to a professional dance college, Lane Theatre Arts. And when I left that, I um, I did a couple of little jobs, but then I ended up going off on a cruise ship. And at what, 19, I think I was, maybe 20, um, traveling around the Caribbean, doing a job that I loved. So who, who could ask for more, really? Um, so yeah, that was my first job. It was six months of kind of being away and, and touring around the Caribbean on a cruise ship. Wow, fantastic. So what were the people like on the cruise ships? Because a lot of people have kind of ideas of what it's like on these things. And um, you got the inside scoop there, really. So yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy kind of life, really. You're almost in a little bubble that's completely separated from the real world. So I think when you're on the the cruise ship, um, your life just becomes this little bubble. And, you know, all the people become like your family, really, because you're so far away from your family, um, which is in... uh, times is absolutely fantastic and if you're with a good crew and a good cast then it's it's brilliant uh, but if you get on stuck on a ship where you don't really like the people then <laughs> then I can imagine that's quite different but luckily I was with fantastic people and, and had a brilliant time but six months on a cruise ship is is a long time or, or it was for me like I felt after that I needed to get off it's it's very intense Get on some dry land I should imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well cool so um why go into that so straight away you, you know what what kind of um led you into a, a career in dance and, and and onto that cruise ship yeah so I I mean I danced since since I was three years old I started with like a ballet class and then I learned modern and tap and by the time I was kind of I think probably about 
12, 13, I wanted to be a dance teacher. I never had the aspiration to go off and perform at that age. I just wanted to teach dance. I think I was so inspired by my dance teacher. I wanted to be just like her and that's what I wanted to do. Um, it wasn't until I got to kind of 15, I think, that I actually thought, oh, I'd quite like to, to perform and do this as a career. Um, and so at, at 16, I'd, I decided I was going to do A-levels, but it just wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, and so finally, I gave that up and, and went off to, to Lanes. I auditioned for Lanes and was very fortunate to get a scholarship because it's it's very expensive. So yeah. I wouldn't have been able to go otherwise. And um, and yeah, off I went. And that, and that was it then. I just knew that I wanted to go off and perform. Um, and I think the cruise ship came about because when you first leave college, you don't have a lot of performance experience. And so getting into like the West End or getting the commercial gigs that you want to do ultimately uh, is very, very difficult. So going off and doing six months of performing on a cruise ship where actually the shows are incredible. Like we, we did some um, insane dancing on the cruise ships that, you know, I've never really done since. Um, so it just gives you that, that performance experience to come back. I think you mature quite a lot. And then from there, I then went on to do the career that I that I had in dance, which was more um, the commercial side of dance. Uh, so yeah, I think I would never have got into that if I hadn't gone off and done the cruise ship first. Okay, that's cool. And I want to get onto the the rest of your career in a, in a moment. But um, you, you mentioned there you was inspired by the 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 dance teacher when you was twelve, thirteen, that kind of age. And um, yeah. what was it about her that that inspired you? Do you know? It's funny you should ask because she was. She wasn't actually very warm. She was quite a strict old school ballet teacher. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Like there was just something about her that she just had an aura. And I don't know if it was an air of confidence or the posture that she carried or what it was, but she just really inspired me. And, and I loved doing, I loved ballet and I just loved everything about it. And yeah, I don't know that's all I can say really she wasn't like this warm bubbly <laughs> personality that that some dance teachers are she was almost the opposite of that but um but she was fantastic yeah that's cool so I, I came into this conversation expecting that maybe there was uh, some dancer out there that you were kind of inspired by and you you know you wanted to be like really. like them but no I know, it, it was the really. teaching side first for you oh, that's that's really yeah. interesting yeah cool so wh where did your your commercial career take you then well, I said after the cruise ship, I came back and I was kind of based in London and you, as all dancers will tell you, you do audition after audition, you get turned down, you have to grow a very thick skin. Uh, but if you persevere and keep going, eventually you will get, you know, the jobs that you want. And for me, um, I loved the, I, I, I want, would have loved to do the West End, but it was very, um, you're doing the same thing over and over again, sort of seven, eight shows a week. And for me, what I loved was the variety of doing commercial work, which was things like, it could be anything from a fashion show, a music video, um, Top of the Pops back then, um, <laughs> you know, music award ceremonies. Um, we did lots of like hair and fashion shows, that kind of thing. Um, and so you would just go and, and rehearse for like a few days do a couple of shows and then you'd be on to the next job and so I think that was the pull for me was that kind of variety. I guess rehearsing for a couple of days there's quite a lot of pressure then to to to, to learn all of the moves and to and, and, and to get it down and tight you know straight away for for because some of those shows would have been live I guess as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is a lot to learn, but I think you're so conditioned to do that. Uh, you pick choreography 
choreography up quickly because that's what you've done at college, you know, for eight hours a day every day. Um, so it, I suppose it sounds like a lot to learn to someone that isn't in that industry, but actually it is just expected and it is just what you do. So, I mean, we would do um, fashion shows where we'd have five different dance numbers of like three minutes each, say, and we'd have to learn it in a day. We just have to learn the whole thing in a day and then we would do the show. So, yeah, I suppose it's quite crazy, really. Yeah, I, I struggled to learn the, uh, you know, the baby shark yeah. <laughs> dance moves in a day. <laughs> you need to come to a tappy toast class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. And um, I think it's one of those things that people kind of don't think about when they see, you know, the, the, the support dancers on, on, on TV shows and, yeah. and, and on fashion shows and things like that. It's, it's actually a, a real skill to be, to have that role, you know, and to be able to, yeah. learn those uh, choreography in such a short period of time I'm, I'm amazed I you thought do, it was like um, weeks worth of stuff <laughs> you do lose it though the older you get like I couldn't do it now I just wouldn't retain it now because like, my brain just hasn't been doing it for for so long and, and don't get me wrong there are jobs where you'll have like several weeks rehearsal like for the cruise ships I think if I remember rightly we had about six weeks of rehearsals for that because there were several different shows to learn and those shows were like um, an hour and a half long so that was like a proper you know a proper show where you do have a lot of rehearsals so it's not always just learning in a day I think it's just the commercial gigs are more just in and out because they don't want to pay you for more than a day you know so <laughs> you get it all done and, and do the gig and off you go yeah cool so in terms of the, the the people you've danced with or danced for has there been any sort of famous people or any any people that you've enjoyed dancing with or for yeah, there, there, there has. I mean, I don't like to kind of name drop too much, but um, I, I did things like um, we did a tour with Levi's and we were dancing with Destiny's Child at the time. And um, then there awesome. was, I mean, the other side of it, like Catherine Jenkins, we did um, the Classical Brit Awards at the Royal Albert Hall with Catherine Jenkins, which was fabulous. But it was a long time ago now. So um, just trying to think who else. Katie Tunstall's not really around anymore. But again, we did... The Brit Awards um, with Katie Tunstall, which was a fab job, actually, really fun. I was um, going to say the Brit Awards. Wow, that must have been quite fun. Did you get to kind of mingle with everybody and, and meet all, yeah, the, it, all the other stars? It yeah, it was fantastic. In fact, it was the year, and, and people might remember the year that Kanye West had about fifty dancers painted gold. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. I wasn't part of that. I was work, I was working for Katie Tunstall then, but um we came off stage and Kanye West was in the wings waiting to go on and was like oh great job girls <laughs> and on he went to do his his part so you did kind of see people but yeah I wasn't mingling at their after show parties or anything like that I'm afraid nothing that exciting <laughs> <laughs> no no uh no um what you call it insider stories that you can drop there no <laughs> no, oh, no I wouldn't I, expect I, you to if I told you I'd have to kill you Ed so we, yeah. we won't go there <laughs> no no I, I wouldn't expect you to but um so <laughs> how long were you doing this um sort of commercial dancing for then before before moving on so I I danced professionally for 10 years so I yeah I did it for about 10 years I mean I did um I did actually go off abroad to do a musical which really sadly the investors pulled out we'd done tons of weeks of rehearsals and then an investor pulled out and the show got pulled and so it was supposed to be this amazing tour of the states and we'd gone out to America um to rehearse and we all got sent home and I'll just never forget like the day of sort of devastation of there was it was a huge cast there were 30 dancers and everyone had become like 
best friends we'd all bonded over these six weeks rehearsals and we literally got told one day the the director came in and, and you know broke the news that uh, it was all cancelled and we had to go home and everyone was just so gutted because you do put your heart and soul into these things and you know it is your passion and you love what you do um so to hear something like that it was really really upsetting and I think in the end we we ended up clawing back a few shows we went and did a couple of shows in America and then the following year we toured um in like Holland and Ireland and a few different places but this huge tour that it was meant to be just didn't quite happen and and that does happen you know sometimes as well you have to roll with the punches I guess yeah sure and and and, and dur during those 10 years were you, you also teaching as well obviously that was your passion from yeah. an early age so was that part yeah, of what I, you were doing I've been teaching since I think assisting since I was about 12 like I've always done it and I've always loved it so um as a commercial dancer, you're never always working. You've always got downtime where you're auditioning or you haven't got any work. And so for me, like a lot of people would do promotional work, like handing out flyers or samples. And I, I just couldn't bear that. I hated that. So for me, my work would be the teaching. So I would, I would teach um, whenever I could. And whether that was like a weekly class or a workshop or a summer school or whatever, I was always teaching alongside my dancing career. Okay, cool. So, um, how did the idea for Tappy Toes come about? So I was actually teaching at another studio at the time and she didn't do any classes for kind of under age six. Like hers was all like older kids. Um, and, and everywhere around seemed to take children from age three. Like you could do a ballet class when you were three, but that, there was nothing before that. And if you didn't want to do ballet, you know, if you didn't want your child to do ballet, then there wasn't anything. Um, and so I just decided that there was a bit of a gap for that. And so I started teaching in my local area, which at the time was in Watford, um, at the studio that I was also teaching street dance for. I said to her, look, can I hire the studio during the day and do some like toddler classes? Um, and she said, yeah, fine. So that's what I did. And I just created a couple of little lesson plans. I got a few props. Um, it was kind of no big deal. It was just, you know, I'll see how this goes. Um, and I just remember it, it was really crazy busy and it was obvious that mums with toddlers wanted a class like that. Um, so it, it just really quickly grew from that one class to kind of three classes there and then four classes. And then it was like, right, OK, I could do it in Rickmansworth as well, the next town and Bushy, the next town. And so it just slowly, organically grew like that. Um, yeah. And there was there was no intention to ever franchise at that stage. Like that was never the intention. Oh, so did 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 you have the brand name from from day one, or when when yeah. did that come in? Yeah, I did, and I brainstormed names, and I just came up with it. I mean, I can't even remember how because it was so long ago now. But I just loved it. It just felt like a really cute name, and it was quite memorable. And I I searched that you know nobody else was using it, um, and. I, I chose the name and then my my one of my best friends said to me you need to trademark it it's brilliant you need to trademark it and I didn't really know at that point you know I wasn't particularly business minded I didn't really know about that and she actually lent me the I think it was 250 pounds to get the trademark and that was my friend Vicky and she was the one that kind of said right get it trademarked I'll lend you the money you know we've got to do this um, I think it could be really big and you could have loads of people teaching tappy toes and yeah, and so that was kind of, I suppose, the the time that I even had the thought of maybe taking it further afield than just me doing it. 
So it's thanks to it's thanks to Vicky. <laughs> yeah, and I, what what a prophet! Has you got any other predictions? <laughs> no. <laughs> cool. And 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 around and around the the branding then as well. Did that come straight away, or how did you find that kind of journey in creating? No, it the... didn't actually. I um I can remember, and this is you're taking me back now, Ed. But I can remember thinking, right, I need to get some t-shirts or something printed for the kids to wear. And I went into H&M, I think it was, and I found they just had these pale yellow T-shirts. And I thought, well, I'll just get tappy toes printed in red on these T-shirts. So I bought kind of all the T-shirts that they had, which wasn't many, you know, like 20 T-shirts or something. And I just went to the local printer down the road and I said, oh, I need tappy toes printed on this. I didn't have a logo. I didn't, you know, really have anything. And um, yeah, the guy in the printer said, oh, OK, well, I could do it like this for you. And he just like created tappy toes with a little toe on the end of the s um and i was like oh brilliant okay great and he printed these t-shirts and that was kind of the first bit of branding um and it wasn't till a few years later that i had like a proper rebrand where we created the actual logo that we use now and we revamped the website and all of that but but yeah back then it was just the local print guy that that kind <laughs> of made the words tappy toes and put little toes on the end and that was it it's, it's, it's funny isn't it did you find it um a, a difficult thing to do building building the brand coming up with the name trademarking all of those kind of business bits you mentioned um, that you you didn't have a kind of business background before before yeah, starting I think, this um I say I didn't have a business background but I suppose I I also own a, a dance and performing arts school that I set up and, and created from scratch myself and back then that was just starting as well so I kind of launched the two businesses together um so I don't I don't think I found it difficult because I think being a dancer you've got that kind of the grit and determination and the I don't know you you have to succeed and you've got that drive in you um because it's kind of taught to you from an early age I think that's what dance classes teach you know that determination to succeed and that ambition and um so I just I was like well this has to happen I'm just going to get on with it and do it and I'm very much um you know if I don't know something I'll go and find out the answer and I think that's that's what I did I was like okay trademark right let's find out what that is and what I need to do and yeah and so you just research and learn along the way I mean if I knew now what I knew back then it would have been very helpful but <laughs> <laughs> I could have skipped a few years but you know you I built the business up slowly and so now I'm in a position where I am business-minded and I do feel like a business person whereas 20 years ago um I would have said I was a dancer yeah yeah but it's it's um it's, it's important isn't it for for you I guess at the time to have gone out to other people and asked them for their advice and support and yeah like you say it takes a, a little time to build up but once it's there the, the knowledge is there isn't it so yeah okay so uh, I, I, doing a bit of research I realized that you're allowing children into the class allowing that's, that's perhaps a bit of a weird way to say it but you have six six month um year old yeah. children joining your classes I have to ask how much dancing are they doing what at that age do? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and actually it it has I think taken us a while to educate kind of parents on what they can do because I think a parent of a six month old wouldn't necessarily think of taking them to a dance class because they can't yeah. really move much um but we we start when we started tappy toes we started with two-year-olds and then it slowly got the age range got lower and lower and lower and teeny toes which is what we call our baby class is that is our newest um branch of the syllabus and we've only been doing that for about a year 
Um, and basically it's kind of more a um, movement and sensory and getting the parent dancing with their baby. So there's that bonding going on. And um, we've got some lovely props that we use. So there's like globe, spiky globals for them to kind of play around with and foam batons that light up and ribbons and all sorts of sensory stuff. So it's more about them listening to the music, having a bit of a wiggle, having a boogie with mum or dad or grandma. Um, yeah, rather than, you know, we're obviously not teaching them pirouettes and arabesques yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we're, we're giving them that love and instilling that love of dance in them at this really, really early age. So if, if they start dancing from an early age, they're much more likely to continue it. And I think dance can be a really, really powerful tool when you get to your teenage years, um, especially the day that we live in now where anxiety is just sky high with teenagers and lots of issues and stuff I think that dance can be a really great outlet for teenagers so if we can get them doing it when they're you know babies um maybe they'll carry that all the way through yeah I, I, I agree with that completely and um my my daughter perhaps has some nerves in going into to new groups and um you know we we try and ease her into these things as much as possible but that the reason we do that is because we know that's going to build her confidence make another yeah. friends group that's away from her school group maybe but um yeah, also just that's... just get to, to know people and start to communicate with with people in a different way over something that she enjoys doing so um yeah. I guess it makes sense to start that at an earlier age and um yeah we we I don't think we really knew that it was out there like you say perhaps um parents yeah, with six exactly. month olds aren't aren't educated on, on just, that really you just wouldn't think of it so it's a case of for us we have to market it as you know a baby class so that people find it and go oh well I've never thought about doing dance with my six month old but that looks great um and then they come along and try it and and they have a great time it's probably great for the parents as well right because it's um it's it's <laughs> it's like camaradeship isn't it where there's a, yeah. somebody else who's sleep deprived and exactly. <laughs> as, as a, a, a young screaming child on their on their hip the whole time you know throughout the day it's probably quite nice to have somebody else there to serve talk about the challenges they're going through and and, yeah, and let off absolutely. a bit of steam in, in it's a really way. nice way to meet other parents and yeah and it gets them up and moving and out of the house and yeah so it can only be a good thing yeah cool excellent so in terms of the the different kinds of elements to your brand, then you've mentioned obviously you've got the the the, the tiny toes and the, the main brand tappy toes. So these are all face to face classes, or I'm, I'm I mean yeah, I, well, I'm asking the question, but I kind of know already. It's yeah, online well, as well, it's right? Been a crazy what eighteen months, hasn't it? Um, and we took obviously I'd never even considered a, an online dance class before <laughs> COVID hit, but you know needs must, and you adapt and you like we said earlier, roll with the punches. And we literally took our classes online the very next day that the kind of lockdown happened and realized that it can also work online. And, you know, people still had fun. They were dancing around in their living rooms or wherever they could, and they were still having a lovely time. Um, so it was great that we were able to do that, but we're so happy to be back in person now because you just can't beat the atmosphere of, you know, a, of a live class with children like, um, we've we've noticed a huge difference in the behaviour of the children pre-COVID to now. Really? It's kind of sad and it does break my heart a little bit, but I know they're resilient and they'll all bounce back and be fine. But just when we came back after COVID, you've got toddlers who would normally be sort of running around and interacting with each other and they just didn't know how to do that. They were just glued to their grown-ups' leg, you know. So 
clinging on to mum for like the first few weeks back. Um, and it was quite sad to see as a Tappy Toes teacher, you're kind of used to like the kids will run up to you and they want to hug you and get involved and do all those things. And they, they just have been conditioned to obviously stay away from yeah. people because they've had to. Um, so it's been a, tran a transition getting back to the class that we know. And we're still obviously distancing. We're still being really careful because it's obviously still out there. But yeah, it's interesting to see the difference in the children. Yeah, so it's an interesting point, that one, because um, we, we, we did wonder whether my son, because he was, um, yeah, I guess just about four um, when it all kicked in, it's probably right. three at the time. And we, we we did wonder how he would be in, in groups of people again, you know, because yeah. that's such an important development sort of phase in their in their life and in, in building confidence and things. Um, luckily enough, he's he just doesn't care he just runs up to anyone anyway you know as long as he's, he's got the okay from us but um yeah it's um it's going to be a real challenge I think or it'd be interesting to see the impact it's going to have on on children as they as as they grow up is it something that's going to be really detrimental or is it it's just something like you say they bounce back from so yeah hopefully they will hopefully they will yeah, and um, I think so and I think classes like what we do classes like Tapitos can really help that so just getting them used to social yeah. settings again and developing those social skills. Yeah, exactly. Get, get them back out to the classes again. Yeah. And, and, and I guess you've seen a, um, an uptake, obviously, from the COVID period in those classes. Has it been a, a big boom? Has their numbers increased? Yeah. To, to... It's, it's been huge. Yeah, it's, it's been, I think, um, because people were locked down for so long, they just, as soon as they could, were, were just booking like crazy. So all of a sudden we were full with waiting lists and adding on additional classes. I think I, um, as the franchisor, I don't run that many classes myself as a franchisee. Um, I only had pre-COVID three or four classes because that's all I'd, I hadn't really planned to open anymore. Um, but when we reopened, I, I had so much demand that I didn't really have a choice. Like I had to open more. <laughs> Um, so I've ended up with 12 classes a week now, oh, wow. which wasn't really the plan, but I just wanted to accommodate everyone because parents were so desperate to get into classes. So, yeah, I think all of the franchisees have found it um, very easy to fill classes since we reopened. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's that's a lot of pressure on you now, isn't it, to run the, the, the franchise <laughs> and <laughs> and run yeah. all those additional classes. So, um, yeah, it's well done for keeping it all going, you know, because... <laughs> Uh, especially with 18 months kind of away from that face-to-face -face and all of the travel that's involved and things like that you know it yeah it, it's a complete shift in what you're doing isn't it on a day-to-day -day basis so yeah well done yeah. for keeping it going Thanks. <laughs> so when 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 did the the first classes start you, you you mentioned it was uh some time ago now long time ago yeah I mean the first classes were probably around 2002 which was just me in Watford um and then I didn't even consider franchising until I got pregnant with my first child, which I think was what kind of inspired me and spurred me on because I thought, actually, you know, now I'm going to have a family. I just want to have something, a business that eventually maybe I can pass on to my daughter if, if she's interested in doing it. Um, and also the flexibility of being around for the kids um, and being able to work my own hours and whatever. So that was kind of my driving force, I guess, to turn it into a franchise. And that was in 2013. Um, I had my kids very close together, so I wasn't really trying to build the franchise at that point. It was just, you know, see how it goes with a couple of pilot franchises. 
Um, and so it wasn't until Isla went to school, which she's been two years now at school, it wasn't until she started school that I thought, okay, now's the time to, to drive the, the franchise and build the franchise. Um, so that's only really been the last two years. Right. And then okay. COVID hit, of course. COVID yeah. started. <laughs> Perfect but timing, was, hey. <laughs> yeah, but actually, it, it kind of um, catapulted us, I think, because we we've gone from sort of five franchises to nearly twenty in that oh, period. Wow. So yeah, so it, it it helped us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I, I've got a few questions off the off the back of that yeah. now. So, um, what? Why? Why? why franchising and how do you find how did you find it I know you said um it kind of drove you to find franchise franchising and, and franchise the business by having your child but yeah how, how did you know about franchising and 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 why why was that the right model yeah um it's a really good question and actually if I try and think back I, I don't even know like how I first came across franchising I just I just kind of knew about franchising because McDonald's was a franchise, for example. Like, I, I don't think I really knew um, too much about it at the time, but I started to look into it because I was doing several different classes and I had a few teachers working for me. And I just thought to take this out further across the UK and to build it, I can't do it all. Like, there's got to be another way. And that's when sort of franchise, when I found franchising, I guess, because you know, I could set up classes all over the place, but I'm not in that local area. I'm not part of that community. I'm, you know, I don't know the best church hall to hire. Um, and so franchising just seemed logical if I wanted us to, to scale up the business. Um, and I found a, a fantastic company that did franchise agreements and manuals and, and taught me like what I needed to do and helped me um, to do all of those documents that I needed. Um, and then I think I once I had the documents ready and in place, I just sent out um, kind of a, a newsletter within the dance teacher network saying, you know, if anyone's interested in becoming a pilot franchisee, get in touch. And um, I sold my first franchise through that newsletter. Wow. Um, and, and that was it from there, really. Yeah, yeah uh, that's cool. And uh, what you said there about the, the, the local piece, I think really interesting because I know a lot of people's first thoughts when they think of a McDonald's franchise is it's not local it's just this American company that's taken over the the, the world yes. you know um but for you franchising was you're able to get people plugged into your business into your brand that had that local knowledge of yeah, yeah. 100%. and I think you yeah what you said there is is right people have this vision or this view of franchising as just being this huge corporation and it being a faceless corporation kind of thing. But actually in a, a network like ours, um, the franchisees are just local people in their local area running a local business. It just happens to come under an umbrella of, you know, of a bigger business, I guess, but, but it is still a local business. And I think sometimes it's, it's quite sad that people think oh I'm not going there because it's a franchise it's like well it is a franchise but it's still owned by a local business person who's trying to make a living it's not you know I think sometimes there's a bit of a stigma of a franchising which is a little unfair yeah definitely I, I think it's it's just an easy way for people that perhaps aren't as confident as you to go out there and find out about trademarks and all of those things yeah. it's a way for them to to use your knowledge and your your experience to to get their business up and running quicker right it's 
just makes sense. Yeah, and when when I look back over the last 20 years and I think of all the things that I've had to put in place and all the systems and all the processes and all the things I've had to learn, I think for somebody now starting up, I mean, if I knew all of those things, I think I'd probably consider a franchise because it's all just done. Like it's done for you. You kind of get handed this business on a plate and you don't really have to do all the hard kind of legwork. Um, obviously you have to still market it and, and get people to come to your new business, but all the heavy lifting is done. And I think um, that is the benefit of a franchise. And sometimes people see a big franchise fee and think, oh, well, well I'll just do it on my own. And don't consider the costs of websites and hosting and SEO optimization and, you know, national marketing campaigns that are involved if you're part of a franchise and all of that stuff that actually normally the franchise fee is very reasonable. Yeah. And, and I think the time as well, it takes to do all those things because, you yeah. know, people's personal time is, is valuable as well. And when you go out there and, and set something up and it's a, a bit of a mistake and it, it might cost you money but it's also cost you time in in trying to do that so yeah I, I, yeah and my my franchisees you know if they come across a problem or an issue they'll call me and I'll have already had that problem or issue in the past <laughs> I'll know how to deal with it you know they've always got that backup and support um which I think they've found really invaluable yeah cool so do, do, you, do you have a, a a personal relationship with all of your your franchisees then Absolutely. I would go out for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with every single one of them. Um, and I think that is how I've built my network is through, you know, I will have a meeting with a, a potential franchisee. And of course, there's lots of factors that you have to think about. But for me, can I sit and chat with that person, have a cup of coffee, enjoy their company, because I'm going to be working with them really closely. And if I can't, it's just not going to work. Um, and I think learning to say no to potential franchisees that you don't think are going to be right for your network is um, is a really hard lesson. Um, and I've been really fortunate that so far, every single one of them, um, we're just a little um, family, like a little group, really. Okay. They're all they're so supportive of each other. They help each other. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really happy with the people in the network. There isn't one bad egg. And everybody's just got each other's backs so I think that's really important when you are recruiting franchisees that you think about that and how they're going to fit in with your current network of franchisees yeah it makes complete sense um I'm a strong believer that that's almost the most important thing about if somebody's buying into a franchise is can you get on with the people um that's they're going to be supporting you because as soon as you you hit a challenge (laughs) <laughs> you know, in, a diff- in difficult times, which is pretty likely in any business setup, um, you know, can you can you work through it together with them if you're going to be fighting and at, at loggerheads all the time? Yeah, it's no, just not exactly. it's not going to work, is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. So, why? Well, you, you know, you've over over the years, then you've you've gone on to build, you know, a, a, a fairly sizable business now and brand. So, why do you think you've had this success? What's what's been the reasons behind the success of the brand um i think it's probably um a bit of grit and determination of you know i'm going to make this work this is going to work um and consistency of just you know keep putting it out there and keep i I think because i didn't actively market it as a franchise previously um 
because that wasn't the right thing for me in my life at that time I had two very small children and it just I couldn't have supported a network of 20 franchisees at that time um I think I suddenly realized when I did start marketing it how how good it was I know that probably sounds <laughs> awful but it's such a lovely business to be part of and I feel like I'm like helping other mums who are you know they want to earn an income they still want to take their kids to school and pick them up and I feel like I'm really helping them with that because the franchisees that I've got all are really really passionate about Tappy Toes and they love it um, and they love their job we had a training day yesterday we danced for six uh, for eight hours like literally 10 till six we danced and learned all the new lesson plans and all the syllabus and we had so much fun we went for lunch um at lunchtime we went out for lunch the four there were four of us there and we all just said this is awesome like what a job like we just <laughs> we're having such a lovely time like it's not like working um and so i feel like i need to share that with more people because it's just brilliant it's just brilliant fun so i, I guess that's ultimately work-life balance right this is yeah um doing something you you love doing and um yeah you, you know making yeah. some some money from it as well obviously so what what, what do you think uh, kind of the, that I've used the word there already work-life balance but what, what does that actually mean to to you and your your franchisees do you think yeah because because that, that can mean different things to different people I guess yeah it's, yeah it really can but to me it means I am able to take my kids to school and pick them up every single day if I need to be at an assembly or a school play, I'm there, you know, I'm with them in the school holidays. Like that for me is, is the work-life balance thing is just being able to be there for them, but still contribute to the household income and the, you know, the paying the bills and all of that. And um, yeah, that, that's really important to me. And I think that's really important to most of my franchisees. Not all of them have children yet, but majority of them have young families. Um, and that's why they found us. Um, we have a lot of ex-teachers in our network who were working so many hours and doing so much planning and they love kids, they love teaching, but being a full-time school teacher was just too much. Um, and they've found us and now, like you say, they've got that work-life balance. They are around for the kids. Um, and because your classes fit in around your school day, you know, you take the kids and then you can do classes from half nine, you can do them all morning and you can do nursery sessions in the afternoon and then go and pick the kids up. So it just ties in really nicely. Yeah, I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit cautious about sort of using work life balance too much, because I think for some people, maybe they think, oh, OK, I can just take the the, 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 the foot off the gas and relax a little bit and things will just land on my plate. But um I guess it's important to to make sure you're still working hard though right it isn't something you just yeah, I, I think it turn up matter. and it money comes in yeah it doesn't matter what business you run whether you start up on your own or you run a franchise you know it's not just going to happen like uh, as a franchisor I'm not just I'm not going to fill your classes for you because I'm not there in your local area to do that you've got to you're going to have to put some work in you're going to have to do the back end of of the business like the admin and the invoices and that kind of thing as well you know you can't just yeah sit back and hope that it all happens like there is work of course there is um but I suppose the flexibility that a franchise like Tapitos offers is that that back-end work can be done at any time it's yeah. not nine to five in an office you can sit there put the kids to bed do a couple of hours in the evening if you wanted or at the weekend or basically whenever suits you so I think 
that's that's the balance is is finding a job where you don't have to be here at this time and leave at this time you can do it on your terms so yeah it is hard work but it's on your terms yeah that makes sense it's it's, it's just about having the right mindset isn't it and and going into it thinking okay yeah I'm, i've got to work hard but the great thing is i can work hard when i want to and and yeah. and, uh, and forget the kids like say or whatever business it's your own business yes it's a franchise but it's their own business so you don't mind working hard when it's for your own business and you reap the rewards you know not the employer kind of thing so I think that makes a big difference as well to people's mindset that they think you know they're growing this business for themselves so yeah. I, I think all parents should just do that go out and <laughs> start yeah. working finding part-time roles and, and maybe it is for a franchise <laughs> so it's yeah you can do what you want it would have been a lot easier and I wouldn't have had so many tired days at work, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So um, I, w- I wanted to ask you, obviously, um, you, you've been working with, well, you, your, your company Tappy Toes for a while now. Has there been any funny stories during that time that you've you've had or strange or weird ones? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's always kind of funny stories with kids because they yeah. just they're so literal so whatever you say to them they just take completely literally so yeah I mean I can't think of an example off the top of my head but um there's just always funny stuff happens like every single class is is different and um they're like they become your little buddies they just um (laughs) the the little ones just adore their teacher you know whoever's teaching them they're quite fickle as well so you know if you're not teaching them and and another teacher comes in they'll be best friends with that one as well but yeah they're quite (laughs) fickle but they just they they do look up to all the teachers and they kind of you know they would run up to if you're changing the music or you're doing getting the props out they'll run up to you and they're 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 just so engaged and engrossed in in the class it, it's lovely to see so yeah yeah I can't think of a, cool. a particular funny story but no no that, that, that sounds really cool um I, I guess that's um that's you in many ways going back to kind of your early career being the, the person that's been looked up to now rather than looking up to the that person which is really kind of nice yeah I never really thought of that but yeah yeah nice <laughs> nice circle to to see so um uh, with, with that in mind then I guess have there been any specific proud moments in in your career well yeah I mean there's been lots like if we're talking like whole career I mean there's yeah. been tons but specific to Tappy Toes um last year we won the um, virtual franchising awards that are sponsored by Barclays we won best franchisee support and so all the awards that to me was just like the most amazing thing to win because that is my ethos is to support my franchisees and to make sure they they feel supported and they're backed up and they you know they've got everything they need to make their business a success so to win that award was was absolutely brilliant we um we got a silver award for best adaptation to change as well for how we dealt with the pandemic and how we came out of that um which was great but the franchisee support is the one that that really means a lot to me yeah that's that's really nice so that, that I've got to ask then what what um do you think in your support package is the the, the, the thing that got you that win you know what yeah. why, why is it so special I think um when the COVID hit it was obviously a really really difficult time and I just got everybody on a zoom call we brainstormed right this is what's going to happen this is what we're going to do we adapted our lesson plans to suit being online um we introduced like new merchandise and, and um, gift packs that they could send out and sell so they could still earn something. So I just really tried to 
um, make sure they still had some form of income throughout that pandemic um i also i stopped all the royalty like the management payments so as a franchise yeah. you'll pay management fees each month or royalties some people call them um and i i just stopped all of that i stopped all of their advertising levy so they didn't have any outgoings to me during the whole lockdown which i think was a massive help yeah that's massive and we just regularly kept in touch regular updates you know making sure they were all okay like mental health wise and business wise um and everybody's survived and fine and come out flying the other end so something worked (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think I think they just they just felt like I I cared and wanted to make sure they were okay and I think that's the most important thing because I think as a franchise you can get to a size where you lose sight of what's making your business a success and that is your franchisees and I never ever want to lose sight of that yeah I think it it goes back to that personal connection that you have with each one of them it's it's really important right and I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you just really quickly a a post I saw a little while ago is from a franchise brand in Australia uh, called Jim's Group the the franchise owner um, so that the the group's massive you know there's hundreds of franchisees um, all over the place he gives all of them his personal mobile number so that at any time they need him they, they can get hold of him I mean Hardly. They're not likely to use it because they don't necessarily need to. There's a support team around him, but just that personal connection I thought was really important. And it sounds like you've definitely got that with your your franchisees, which is cool. Things like that. Um, We we have a a group like WhatsApp group where everybody can post their questions. And and that's where the support of the other franchisees comes in as well, because they'll answer their questions and they help each other. And yeah, it's a really nice feel to the group. Yeah, that's cool. So um, I'm going to wrap up now, but before I do, the the, the last question is, um, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's looking to buy a, a franchise business, whether it's yours or any others, what would that one piece of advice be? Okay, so my one piece of advice would be, you have to jump in with both feet. You can't kind of, if you're considering coming out of your old career and and thinking about leaving your job, but you think, well, maybe I'll just stay on two days a week and start the franchise. You've got to go for it. If you make that decision, I think you've just got to go all in um, and you will then build your business faster, quicker, better, you know, but if you are still kind of hanging on just in case it doesn't work or it takes too long to take off, it's never going to take off. Like you have to go all in hundred percent faith um, and just go for it that's my advice awesome Claire thank you so much for sharing your time with us today it's been great to get to know you and hear about your business and uh yeah take care I've really enjoyed it thank you Ed thanks so much see you later bye-bye so there we go that was my conversation with Claire Mundy of Tappy Toes um, what a career change she she had. I didn't really realise it as I was recording the episode with her, but listening back, I've realised that she went from, you know, being at the Brit Awards, meeting people like Kanye West, although briefly, um, to, to teaching six-month-olds, uh, you know, some, some motor skills and, and things like that. It's a, quite a change, but all under the, the, the banner of dance, I guess, which um, I, I have a lot more respect for dancers now in that profession because... Um, the speed that they have to learn the, the, the choreography at is it's quite astounding really you know it's quite, it's quite complex some of the dance moves they do so um, yeah uh, 
really impressed that some some people are able to learn those things in in a day, which is amazing. But uh, anyway, so some of the things that were in there that I sort of stuck in my mind as being really interesting was the the fact that she hadn't even thought of trademarking her business. You know, the challenges she she kind of had in branding and logo design. They're things that everybody who um, thinks of an idea for a business that they want to build, they have to go through. Every single element is is time consuming and it's difficult to know if you're making the right decision or not. So um, it's good to see that she's a very capable person and able to do that and, and is kind of leading the way for others. But I think that's um, a little kind of hidden benefit um, in buying into a franchise brand, whether that's Claire's or anybody else's. Um, she wrapped it up nicely or summed it up nicely by saying if I'd known what I know now I could have skipped a few years um, so yeah something to think about um, anyway so other things included um, flexibility that we were talking about um, yeah I, I, I tend not to use the the term work-life balance too much I realize I did in that conversation and it is something that can be taken as well. Look, I can just chill out more. I can work part time and, you know, it'd be a lot easier. But yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that actually it's going to be hard work, even if you are doing something on a part time basis. You know, you've got to be fully committed. And I think Claire summed that up at the, the end as well really nicely. Um, the final thing that really stood out for me was the, the, the conversation we were having about the local knowledge that is a key reason why she wanted to franchise her business um, yeah you, you, you kind of forget about it with some businesses but knowing where the local hall is in in every town or every city in in the country that's decent that's the right size that fits your business um, that that can be quite challenging and that doesn't have to be a hall for, for um, children's activities it can be for uh, therapy sessions or um, you know coffee shops or whatever it may be uh, having somebody local who knows the area um, is really going to be beneficial in building that out so yeah I hopefully enjoyed the conversation um, it's really nice speaking with Claire and she was a, a, a lovely lovely guest so um, plenty of other lovely guests as well that I've had on the podcast so please go, do go back and take a listen to some of the other episodes if you want to if you enjoyed this one and um, thank you very much for listening if you want to check us out you can find us on linkedin instagram facebook and youtube under the franchised and of course you can visit thefranchise.com as well so thank you once again for listening and hopefully see you on the next one bye bye